Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London, I'm Josh Noble. Treating men as the default human in economic planning is not only costly for society, but the practice can also be deadly for women when applied to things like medical trials. This is the case made by Caroline Criado-Perez in her new book, Invisible Women, Exposing Data Bias in a World Designed for Men. Fred Studeman talks to our business editor, Sarah Gordon, about the arguments put forward. Sarah, tell us, this book by Caroline Criado-Perez, Invisible Women, what exactly is the problem that she's seeking to diagnose? We've heard about quite a lot, and you've written extensively on things like the gender pay gap but this is a different aspect of you know the gap between men and women yes yes I mean what she's talking about is the gender data gap which she defines as the absence of women in a whole range of databases which then affect resource allocation and policy decisions in healthcare, in car design in disaster relief in AI. So she not only garners the evidence of that absence, but then talks about what the consequences are. And in some cases, the consequences are really serious. I mean, and there's some extraordinary examples that I have to confess personally, I wouldn't have thought of. I mean, it's everything from how seatbelts might be designed to medical equipment, how it's calibrated, but even an example which I think you deployed in your review of the book about how you plan for clearing of snow. I mean, it's quite extraordinary, the range of of, of activities where this is prominent. Yes, the snow clearing one is a very good example. It's a town in Sweden which decided to include women in the data that it used to decide its snow clearing policy. So what it had done is it had prioritised clearing snow first from the roads before getting to the pavements. And it looked at patterns of accident and injury in winter snowfall situations, which in Sweden are many, and decided to reverse that priority, so to clear the pavements rather than the roads. Now, that not only benefited women in one particular way, in that there were more women on the pavements than on the roads, and women on the pavements were also suffering more than men on the roads, in the sense that pushing a buggy or a shopping cart or being an elderly woman and walking on a pavement it turns out is actually more dangerous, i.e. you're more likely to be injured than driving a car through the snow. So, number one, it benefited women, but it actually also benefited the public purse because what they found is that the cost of injury, the accident and emergency admissions, lost work time in terms of broken bones, whatever, that actually they made a huge saving just by reversing that policy priority. And that's one of the examples that she uses to look at the positive benefits of including women in the data. But what she does more of in the book is look at the whole range of negative consequences from excluding them. And some of these are actually life-threatening. I mean, we talked about seatbelts, but I mean, it gets worse. Yes. So the car design chapter is pretty shocking in the sense that driving seats are designed predominantly for the male body. And indeed, Criado Perez talks a lot about this idea of the default human. And the default human, of course, is not just a man, it's also a white man. So what she also points out is that 
the ethnic gender data gap is even larger than just the gender data gap. But one of the things I found most shocking was the healthcare chapter. So in some cases, because a lot of healthcare databases, they're mainly men, they're actually mainly young men who take part in a lot of clinical trials. One of the reasons is their availability. But another is that women are simply too variable. She has this fantastic phrase, which she takes from Henry Higgins and My Fair Lady, which is, why can't a woman be more like a man, which is a song that Henry Higgins sings in the musical My Fair Lady. And this is one of the root causes for the problems with healthcare data is that women are as they are. It's actually easier to measure male healthcare indicators. Anyway, the consequences of this are that, for example, In the US, the level of heart activity at which you have a pacemaker fitted has been set based on male data. It should be lower for women and therefore women are not having pacemakers fitted in situations where their lives could actually be saved because of it. So the gender data gap, she argues, doesn't just have consequences for urban planning or whatever. It's actually in some cases fatal for women. And one of the other really interesting ones she did was around disaster relief and the response to the Ebola epidemic in Sierra Leone. And she talks about the fact that a lot of the aid was in the form of food aid. The food aid went into the quarantined areas, but people providing it didn't think to provide the fuel. So women who cook the food were going out of the quarantined areas to get the fuel to cook the food that was being brought into the quarantined areas to stop them leaving it and, of course, spreading the disease by doing so. I gather she also goes beyond the human, if you like, to also look at how this system, if you like, is being now extended into the world of AI, uh, algorithms, also with negative consequences. Yes, it's a very interesting book, but this is probably the most interesting and I think also the most important message in her book is that what she argues is that this situation, the gender data gap is not just there, it's actually worsening rather than improving. And one of the examples she gives for that is AI and the databases on which AI is based. For example, the software that's used to scan CVs, she gives the example of a software platform called Guild, which does the first sweep of CVs for technology companies to then employ or then interview software coders. And it has decided, the software has decided that a particularly strong predictor of coding power is how much time you spend on a certain Japanese online manga site. Now, as you doubtless know, manga sites are not female friendly for lots of reasons. Also, women, the research shows, have less spare time to go online gaming. I've never been on one myself. (laughs) (laughs) That's your line and you're sticking to it. And therefore, the AI that's being used to pre-select potential candidates is already excluding women from those databases. So, What she's saying is that AI in some instances is not just perpetuating biases, but actually amplifying them. I mean, it sounds fascinating. She's obviously done a lot of research and is diagnosing a lot of problems. Does she put forward solutions, how this could be redressed, corrected? I mean, is it possible to actually remove these biases easily? 
I mean, the biases are so broad ranging that she doesn't say that it's difficult to do that, what she's proposing. And I think it's one of the reasons why it's a very good book is because she makes the point that in most cases, this is not a willful exclusion of women from research or from data. It's an absence a lack of presence, if you know what I mean. It's not willed, it's not malicious, and that it's simply, in many cases, that the often men who are collating the data don't see what they're doing. So as in much of this whole debate, and that's why it's relevant beyond just data, is that it's about a recognition of the problem goes some way to solving the problem. And in fact, a lot of this is not rocket science. I mean, thinking about, for example, designing replacements for slum environments in Brazil, you don't just move apartment blocks, you move schools, you move families so that grandparents can go on looking after children. You know, it's not rocket science. As soon as you see it, it's completely obvious what should be done, but you need to see it to do it. Right. So, I mean, in summary, you would say this book is an important contribution to that. I mean, it- I would. I mean, it, it. it certainly contained lots of information that I hadn't thought of myself, was simply not aware of. So it's interesting from that point of view. But I also think it's a very important book for policymakers to read because, as we know, data guides resource allocation and bad data means bad resource allocation. Sarah, thank you very much. Thank you. That was Fred Studeman talking to our business editor, Sarah Gordon. And you can find a link to her review of Invisible Women in our show notes. We'll be back with another news feature on Sunday. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com forward slash offer. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.